you're tuned into Decay Mag Podcast Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news Good evening ladies and gentlemen Welcome to another installment of Decay Mag Podcast Season 5 Episode 12 My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DK Mag dot com that is d-e-c-a-y-m-a-g dot com we're not dk magazine or dk or the letters dk i don't know why people confuse mag with magazine stacy what do you think about that do you automatically insinuate mag as magazine uh yes And joining me as co-host is Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mag. We're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DK Mag on Stitcher rating and reviews and help us rank. And you could also find our podcast on Google Music, iTunes, and of course we are across all social networking platforms, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, Google Plus, forever, wh- whomever uses Google Plus. It's, it's a lonely world over there. And in this episode, we have exclusive interviews. Stacy, please fill us in on these exclusive interviews we'll be presenting. Well, um,. I had the pleasure of speaking with Cassandra Skirbo from True the Dare and with Tracy Birdsaw from The Time War. Uh, those are exciting. And this is our second interview that we've conducted with Tracy Birdsaw. Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of speaking with Miss Birdsaw, and at that time, her film, Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter, was just killing it in film festival circuits circuits not a circuit circuits there you go gotta clarify and without further ado here is DK Mag podcast season 5 episode 12 movies Pacific Rim Uprising plot summary. More news on Pacific Rim Uprising. A plot summary has been revealed. John Boyega stars as the rebellious Jake Pentecost, a once promising Jaeger pilot whose legendary father gave his life to secure humanity's victory against the monstrous Kaiju. Jake has since abandoned his training only to become caught up in a criminal underworld. But when an even more unstoppable threat is unleashed to tear through our cities and bring the world to its knees, he is given one last chance to live up to his father's legacy by his estranged sister, Michael Mori, who started uh, starring Rico Kikuchi who is leading a brave new generation of pilots that have grown up in the shadow of war. As they seek justice for the fallen, their only hope is to unite together in a global uprising against the forces of extinction. 
Jake is joined by gifted rival pilot Lambert Scott Eastwood and 15-year-old Jager hacker Amara Kylie Spain. As the hero PDC become the only family he has left. Rising up to become the first to ever walk the earth, they will set course for a spectacular all-new adventure on a towering scale. This coming from comingsoon.net. Uh, directed uh, Pacific Rim Uprising is directed by Stephen S. D. Knight. It is slated to release on March 23rd of 2018. Ken, what do you think about this uh, plot summary? Wow. I I enjoyed Pacific Rim. That was a phenomenal movie. I, I, I have a soft spot for those sci-fi movies where you have kaiju and now all transpires with Godzilla and King Kong and Mothra and all that those creature feature films from from that era back in the day but now with the technology it's so advanced and looks so much better and in this time around Guillermo del Toro is not spearheading this installment instead as you had mentioned Stacy it is Stephen Denight. One thing, one thing I enjoy, and it looks, it's, it's evident in the poster and everything. We have a African American protagonist. That's that's cool. Because in part one, the the protagonist, well, he was an integral part of the story, but he was more as a secondary character but well, I I really appreciate that they are putting a, 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 a different take on this installment have you seen the first Pacific Rim uh, Stacy I have seen it and I liked it a lot as well um I vaguely remember it I kind of I, I have to watch it again to uh, refresh my memory before the sequel comes out but I do remember enjoying it a lot so it seems that the protagonist in this film uh, his father should be the character portrayed by Idris Elba in part one because he he is the guy who sacrificed himself in defeating the kaiju and in this part you have his son taking over so I'm assuming there's a big timeline from part one that the kaiju have been like very difficult insects to kill. They're like giant cockroaches. You kill one and 40 shows up. That's what I take. But anyway, I'm looking forward to this film. I. I I will spend my money to watch this film all because I enjoy those old creature feature films and like I said this is one instance that I say the technology you cannot replicate this with practical effects obviously so digital effects does become incorporated in a big way. Scott Eastwood Stacy. Didn't he do a romance movie? Something about that he was a bull rider? Oh 
yes, I think it's called The Longest Ride, right? Oh my gosh, who came up with that movie <laughs> title? I'm telling you, Anita and I, we got tickets to see that movie. Let me tell you a quick story. Everybody in the movie theater was sleeping. All you heard was a symphony of snoring. So one side you had the bass, the other side you had the the different instruments. I'm telling you, that movie was bad. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it. When I first saw the commercial for it, I thought, oh, that looks pretty good, but then I thought like a uh, romance movies. Next. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> wow. And they could have sat down and said, okay, listen, guys, this movie title does not sound proper you know no it doesn't sound no you hear something like that you expect triple x ratings or something (laughs) but uh yeah scott eastwood clint eastwood's son that's pretty cool yeah um he, I don't think I've seen have I seen him? Well, maybe I have. It says he was in Suicide Squad. He was? Um, yeah, that's what it says here in IMDb. He was Lieutenant GQ Edwards. Oh, you see. I haven't seen Suicide Squad. I have not caught up to that one. Oh, he was in Texas Chainsaw 3D, Carl. Well, I guess he's taking the place of what's his name, Charlie Hunan. He was in Pacific Rim One. He was the he was the main character at that time. He was riding his fame because he was after riding motorcycles. He became uh, famous. The actor I'm talking about, and you know, got better parts. But since his stardom is fading away, now we have Clint Eastwood's son taking the helm. Yeah, I guess let's see how he does. Ah, the the famous quote. Yeah, let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it's nothing like The Longest Ride. That is such a, oh, that movie is so different from Pacific Rim. It's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. You see, the uh, the now nah, you, you you are going somewhere. Uh, Pacific Rim, the longest ride. Wow, you just went triple X on this over here. <laughs> Listeners are gonna tune in and say, "What the hell? What the hell are they talking about?" Wow, and is not here to make jokes on this one. I know she would love that. And mind you, there is a porno, is a spoof from Pacific Rim. I do. Oh my gosh, they spoof everything. <laughs> they spoof everything. I don't even. I don't even want to know what what the tentacle of this kaiju is. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay tuned for the, the part three. <laughs> yeah. For the parody. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Platinum drives big rig pitch. I'm sure our listeners are familiar with Wolf Creek, the Australian outback horror film in which a 
loner travels the outback in search of tourists no matter if they're european american but particularly american i think he hates americans more than european but the premise of the story it just resonates with this next story i'm going to unfold andrew form brad fuller and of course michael bay the dynamic duo the platinum dunes they're in the works of a film that supposedly describes a, a loose inspirational stories based on canada's infamous highway of tears uh, this is a corridor which runs through british columbia and the story goes that over the course of four decades that is 40 years numerous women have either been murdered or gone missing along the 700 plus kilometer stretch of road I guess you will have to Google and dig deep to find out if these stories are in fact accurate or have some basis or they're just some type of uh, urban legend. Whichever the case may be, this movie is titled Big Rig. Talking about bad movie names, we have Big Rig now. Uh, come on, Stacy, help me out here. We got to send these guys a letter. Say, excuse me, Big Rig? now you're talking the longest ride and now you got big rig oh my gosh is, <laughs> what is this world coming to oh my gosh anyway <laughs> i'm telling you i well at first glance I, I i i read this description for this film i thought wolf creek because it's the same premise and I'm, I'm quite sure that there's so many roads across the U.S. and, of course, Canada. I never knew Canada had these type of stories well. But things happen across roads. And you could even imagine the, the shit that happens between Las Vegas and the desert. A lot of stuff. That's a long stretch of road. I wouldn't be surprised if some horror movies made out of that, too. So, Stacy, what do you think about Big Rig? <laughs> um, um, well, now that you mention Wolf Creek, I would say it sounds good. I really love that movie, Wolf Creek, so... I guess I would just have to wait and see for Big Rig. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, let's see. Hmm? I don't know. I mean, it just sounds so much like Wolf Creek. Yeah. Well, I guess things like that are pretty good, actually. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a good. Uh, you know slasher flick was wait was wolf creek slasher he was a slasher right yeah um, you would consider that to be a slasher yeah, yeah. I, I i don't think so like a hundred percent not even 80 i don't know that's that's interesting because he it's a different type of character 
he's he's not like Michael Myers or anything like that. But he does hunt his prey as a slasher would. So that's kind of iffy. I guess our audience would have to comment on that and give us a concrete genre description on that. Yeah, because uh, Wolf Creek, uh, I really like that movie. So, you know, things like this are actually really good now. Just hope, hoping it's not so similar to Wolf Creek that it's kind of copying it, so to speak. I guess that would be the issue there. Right, exactly. Well, here, here's a, some more information. Right now, this is just an idea. And, and in Hollywood term, terminology, it's called a pitch. And the pitch is coming from braggy shut. Shut. Shirts. Shuts. Okay, I'm not <laughs> editing that out. I'm trying to pronounce his name. Braggy shuts. Okay. Without the S at the end. Well, I'm trying my best. Anyway, but he co-wrote... Uh, the maze and he wrote this script for big rig and this is this is what the plot is about so you have a good trucker who runs afoul of the evil man who is responsible for the many deaths on this road which is called the highway of tears i'm sorry but that just resonates wolf creek Yeah, it does. Um, now, now this with tears. So this is actually based on a true story. As purportedly, it's okay. taking loose ins- inspiration from that stretch of road that is located in British Columbia, Canada. Like well, there's always that whole aspect of it. Like, I mean, it's based on, you know, based on uh, stories and legends and everything. That's always good as well. Yeah. Well, most horror movies are. I mean, Texas Chainsaw was loosely based on Ed Gein and some other m- movies were loosely based on something. <clears throat> yeah, this I- is true. And, and as a matter of fact, Wolf Creek is loosely based on a series of deaths that were occurring in a stretch <coughs> of road in, in the Australian outback. So, now that I did not know. Yeah. I don't know the specifics, but I do know when Wolf Creek 1 first came out, that was the, the pitch to get people's attention. Ah, it's always on a stretch of road. A stretch of road, yeah. What is it with the stretch of road? But you know what they say, big rig. <laughs> he's, he's up for the longest ride. <laughs> oh gee. And he's gonna Literally. get a. Yeah, he's gonna get a Pacific rib. <laughs> oh. <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow, indeed is missing this. Whoa, <laughs> I tell you, that is hilarious. Well, I'm, I'm sure there are other m- films that I, I just trying to remember. I know there was one film that there was a, a evil trucker out hunting these uh, a young couple in the car. Isn't that Jeepers Creepers? No, 
Oh, Jeepers Creepers is about a pedophile oh, with bat wings. Joyride. Joyride. Yes, that's the one. Right. Uh, I still, I, I, I will never get that voice out of my head. I want candy cane. Wow. <laughs> I will never. I still remember that voice to this wow. day. Wow. I want candy cane. That's that's that's. <laughs> I don't. I have no comment on that one. Great, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh my. Wow. That's what he says in the movie. I want candy cane. <laughs> wow. And you know what? You know one thing. Uh, Platinum Dunes—they do make some good thrillers. Uh, they do make some good horror movies, thrillers. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how this is. Uh, to to see how it evolves and how they use the story. Perhaps I could be wrong. Perhaps it has no type of association. Uh, with the storyline with something like Wolf Creek or Joyride. You never know. Nurse Ratched Origin Netflix series. Ratched will begin production in 2018, created by Ryan Murphy and even Romanski. Michael Douglas will produce alongside Fox 21 TV Studios, Lighthouse Management and Media, and Saul Zayenta company. It will be a two-season, 18-episode series that will premiere on Netflix. The series is an adaptation of the 1976 film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is directed by Milo's Foreman, written by Taubin and Bo Goldman, produced by Paul Zainta, based on the original novel by Ken Casey. Sarah Paulson will play Nurse Ratchet. The story will follow the character's journey and evolution from nurse to full-fledged monster. The series will track her murderous progression through the mental health care system. Not much about the casting is known at this time. Stay tuned to DKMag.com for updates. Ken, what do you think about this? I, I So she's a nurse and she turns into a monster? I that's so that's uh, that's what I'm getting on the synopsis now. I have not seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Have you? Oh man, that's a oof, that's an old flick. No, I have not seen that. No, I mean that's a classic. Well, I've heard so much about it. So the so the synopsis for one flew over the cuckoo's nest is. McMurphy has a criminal past and once again gotten himself into trouble and is sentenced to or sentenced by the court. To escape labor duties in prison, McMurphy pleads insanity and is sent to a ward for the mentally unstable. Once here, McMurphy both endures and stands witness to the abuse and degradation of the oppressive nurse Ratchet, who gains superiority and power through the flaws of the other inmates. McMurphy and the other inmates band together to make a rebellious stance against the atrocious nurse. So that's the uh, storyline for One Flew Over the Couple's Nest. Oh, I get and, it, I get yes, it. So Ratchet is supposed to be, I guess, a series uh, that is inspired by this character in One Flew Over the Couple's Nest. 
and I mean, with a name like Ratchet, you would expect her to be acting Ratchet. So that is obvious right there. What? They could have named her. Yeah. They could have named her Mrs. Goodfellow, and she could have been a Ratchet Woman. So obvious. <laughs> 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 That's a good fellow. <laughs> well, she's not a good fellow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That would she be like the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cliffhanger. I mean, Her she was branded fellow, from birth. She's actually ratchet. Exactly. <laughs> she was branded from birth. They gave her that name and said, you're ratchet. That's it. She became ratchet. So I see what they're doing. But to this. save your... <laughs> But to save your reputation, we'll just call you good fellow. Exactly. You see? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow. Okay. I see what this is going. So it's more like a thriller and how she's evolving into this evil, ratchet woman. Interesting. Well, so one for a cuckoo lesson showing its, drum, its drama. Yeah, it's a and drama. And actually yeah. articles saying that it will be a drama series as well. And so the cast for One Flew Over Cuckoo's New Match, you have, actually as Nurse Ratchet, you had uh, Louis Fletcher, and she is also known for, let's see, Cruel Intentions, Flowers in the Attic. Yeah. Um, so she plays Nurse Ratchet there, and then Sir Paulson, which we all know from American Horror Story, is going to play her in the series. Now, um, I'm wondering, how the series is gonna go like going you know back to the feel i have to watch the film actually just to kind of get acquainted and to make any kind of comparison to see if you know to stick into the film or the story you know the original novel is actually by um the original novel on by ken casey so also, I'll read the novel as well to make comparisons. Oh, that sounds, sounds interesting. And it's going to hit Netflix too. So Netflix are, yep. Netflix are on a roll. I am telling you. I There's going to come but a time. But actually says here. Huh. I was going to say, there, there's going to come a time that I would give it five years that people are going to be switching over from their whatever it is, DirecTV or satellite, and everybody's going to go online to consume content. Oh, I think that's probably already happening. I mean, you know, I I learned from the, um, the hard way that cable is crap most of the time. I mean, you sit here, you get, you know, 400 channels or whatever, pay about 200 bucks a month, you know, for all of that. And all you watch is maybe one or two stations, really. You know, you know, most of the stuff that comes on doesn't really interest you. So then, you know, you come over to like Netflix, you come over to Hulu or, you know, say Shutter, Screenbox. You know, it, all those other streaming sites have got way more content, especially for us horror fans. You know, um, sites like Shutter and Screenbox just have way more content for us. Exactly. And with Netflix, like I'm saying, Netflix, they, 
they're doing so well on the market and now you have nurse ratchet even even if i did not see one flew over the cuckoo's nest i would watch this show because it has it has a good synopsis and they have netflix has not dished out well i gotta bring up adam sandler that shit was crap but aside from that <laughs> that, aside, <laughs> that was just garbage <laughs> A lot of people don't like it. I love Adam Sandler. No, but that was, that western he did. Oh my gosh, that was garbage. Right, which western? I'm not seeing it or not. It was a western. It was on Netflix. The Rotten Tomato. I don't know what it was called. The Rotten oh. something. Okay. Yeah. But, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I, well, I, um, but also like more movies is coming to Netflix, like called the Chucky that released to Netflix. Exactly. And the Babysitter is coming on the 13th. Right. And we're going to get to that in our podcast later on. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Netflix is kicking ass. I have to buy some stock. And it says actually right here that it was in a war with Hulu and Apple and Netflix won. Well, come on, Hulu. Hulu didn't stand a chance. It, there were many streaming sites that were doing some illegal stuff back in the days, and Hulu uh, rose out from those uh, perpetrators, and uh, they became legit. But that was years back. So now, they they they. Plus, more. I feel like Hulu is more for like television shows, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just the name Hulu doesn't doesn't strike me as so hulu like ah, it doesn't ring with me like netflix that's a good name and then you have apple but i'm like oh like okay so you sit there and you pay anywhere between two and ten dollars or more like for a feel like yeah you guys will just get netflix for you know eleven dollars a month have unlimited streaming now the only thing with that is like i say like there's some titles that aren't available streaming that you have to get dvd and if you want the dvd plan that's a whole separate plan yeah which sucks but it's still like when you think about the cost it's like it's still better yeah you know? so like one dvd out for like i think it's 7.99 or something like that one dvd out at a yeah. time something like that and I, yeah, I had it briefly but i didn't stick to the dvd plan because i mean the titles most of the titles that i want to see were streaming and then there was always that one title that's like oh i gotta get the dvd plan just to get this one title right yeah so you could add you could add nurse ratchet to your to your queue definitely i might add that and um actually i might go ahead and start watching it I might, I might do good on the first like three episodes, and they kind of fall off, just like I did with the American Horror Story. Oh, <laughs> wow! I didn't watch, wow, I didn't watch Tuesday's episode, and I watched last week's episode late. <laughs> well, because I wanted to watch Caught of Chucky, I was like, ah, sorry, American Horror Story, but Caught of Chucky um, has more. Yeah, yeah, we know you're a big fan. You have to get the life-size doll off of eBay. Well, it looks like Halloween, the reboot, is in full swing and little by little the cast is getting bigger and bigger. 
We all know that Jamie Lee Curtis is gonna reprise her role as Laurie Strode, and now there is another actress in line to portray Laurie Strode's daughter, and the actress is Judy Greer. She's in negotiations right now, and this new vision for Halloween. You have Danny McBride who is behind this rebrand and he teamed up with Bloomhouse Productions. Of course, Miramax and Universal Pictures are distributing this film for October. Of course, it's going to be October. No shit. 2018. Wow. Interesting. So Judy Greer is going to portray Karen Strode, the daughter of Laurie Strode. And uh, of course, John Carpenter is back in this project as executive producer with Green and McBride and so Stacy I know you are looking forward to this Halloween film uh, isn't it great that the cast is all coming together now like little by little we're getting some information of who's playing who uh, I'm still curious to find out Jamie Lee Curtis role if because if you follow the timeline, didn't she die in one of the episodes? I, I believe she did. I could be wrong, but I think she did get killed away. And her niece, she had a she had a niece, and Michael Myers was chasing after the niece too. Um. So I, I am looking forward to this new Halloween. As far as Jamie Lee Curtis, from what I can remember, I know she was in part one. And then I don't think she returned again until Halloween age 20, 20 years later. Am I correct about that? Yeah, she was a patient at a hospital. And I believe that was the episode that she passed away. Hmm. Did she pass away? Did she? Uh, why am I thinking that she got killed? I don't. Re I'm trying to think myself, but I don't remember her. I'm trying to remember. Um. Wait, 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 wait. She drove the truck into one of the hospital guys because he was using a Michael Myers mask. She thought it was Michael Myers, and she thought he she killed him. But it wasn't him because Michael Myers was smart and he took off his mask. Right. But didn't she uh, come back? And this might have been the part where she... Um, didn't she... In Halloween Resurrection, it was the very first part, remember, where she was in that mental hospital and Michael came back for her, right? Right. Yeah, well... Part two, she was in a hospital because of part one. And from there, part three was just some crazy nonsense about masks. I don't remember part four. I think part, well, part five was with uh, his little niece, right? The, the little girl and the, dressed up as a clown, the little niece. And then there's uh, Halloween. Um, 20 years later right where she, uh, okay she's the uh, dean of the school but then and then after that is a Halloween resurrection that comes after 20 years later right and right I thought 
I thought she was in that mental hospital in the very beginning and he comes for her and then as they were hanging out the window didn't he stab her in that part? Exactly. Didn't she pass away? I, I thought so. That's what I thought. So I now we have well see this Halloween though it's going to be a reimagination. Is this a <laughs> Yeah, it's a reimagination. Okay, so then I guess that makes sense then. It makes sense, I guess, because I'm thinking, well, she she died, so why is she coming back? Like, right, so, yeah. Okay. okay, so if it's a reimagination, and then now Judy Greer is going to be... Laurie So Tr- is Judy Greer the, the little niece that was in part five? Is that her all grown up? Right, right. <clears throat> wow. What was her name Judy in that one in part five? Was was the little girl's name Judy? Well, let's see, let's see. It would be wasn't it Jamie? Jamie? I think it was it Jamie. It was Jamie. So then, wait a minute. Who is Judy? <laughs> I mean, not Judy. Who is uh, so her name was? Okay, I'm I'm confusing myself now. No, it seems confusing okay, I'm here. Confusing myself. The little girl's name was Jamie in part five, and then Judy was supposed to play the niece. So is that her all grown up now? Is that who she's supposed to be? But if 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 but if that's her grown up, wouldn't how does she change from Jamie to Judy? Well, no, her real name is Judy Greer, and and so then and here she's going. Wait, Karen Stroh. What the heck? Right, 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 right. I right. see you got confused okay. there. You got confused, yeah. Yeah, I got so confused. See? I'm looking see? at her name and saying her <laughs> name. Okay. No. Yeah, it's confused. So who's Karen Stroll? Do you remember Karen Stroll in any of the other, the earlier films, any of those films? Do you remember Karen? Who's I don't Karen? remember Karen. I never heard of Karen. I, Jamie was the niece, right? And then you had Laurie Stroll. Which is the sister? So unless they have another sibling or running around somewhere, uh, that does not make any sense. I guess the movie's got to piece everything together. Yes, yeah, one of the. I can now. This makes me want to go back and look at them all again because I don't remember. Controlled. I'm anxious to see who they're going to find to portray Michael Myers. Oh, they haven't they haven't found the Michael Myers yet, huh? Now what about what about the other uh is it uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween? Um but this isn't going from Rob Zombie's Halloween, yeah, this is going from John Carpenter. Oh right? yeah, uh yeah, okay, I think so Yeah, I think Rob Zombie's Halloween is out of the picture. Oh, way out of the picture, way out, like the distant galaxy. Yeah, I'm up here trying to figure out who the heck is Karen, is Karen Strong. <laughs> like, no, who is Karen Strong now? Where where did she come in at? Is she just um? But um, Judy Greer is a is a great actress, though. She's good. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Yeah, I um, see her credits here. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. But I, yeah. yeah. McBride, McBride is doing horror. 
he's he always resonates as that comedy guy i just can't see him in horror i his role in aliens was just oh really no no i did not feel any type of emotional content from him i mean seriously not now we're gonna stray off topic for a bit aliens the new movie that came out with mcbride oh my gosh that movie was filled with so much bullshit i was like what the hell are these Wait, what's the movie alien 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 the new one that came out because oh, mcbride right because mcbride is uh, he portrayed a role in that film he's backing halloween i'm saying i, I cannot picture him out of his comedy element and he's doing oh. some yeah he's doing horror now i mean okay yeah. It, yeah good for him for branching out but it's just i don't know this movie i love michael myers i mean he's i prefer him over jason Voorhees. it makes makes more sense I because was the only one yeah jason is a supernatural serial killer zombie he's a zombie michael myers is more human like okay yes he got burned and he gets shot but how does he come back from all of that like what's driving him nobody knows that's what I wonder. I mean, no, he's supposed to be human. Why does he keep coming back? Exactly. Like, wait a second. What is this guy made out of? Seriously, like, have they ever explained that? I don't remember well, explaining it. I've I read the book. It's supposed to be that he's possessed with the spirit of Sam Hain, which is the spirit of Halloween. That's was his. That's why he wore that triangle tattoo on his wrist, and and I believe that was part four. And they had druids, so there's a there's a whole secret society cult behind this serial killer, and they only show that in one film, and they never explore that out of the other films. Hmm. Interesting. I want to know. Very interesting. Yeah, because I know he's not running with the Energizer Bunny. I know he doesn't have Energizer batteries that keeps him going and going and going and going. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no. No. I, I I can't wait to see this one. I just can't wait. I, I mean, there's so many. There's more pros than cons here. At least. Rob Zombie is not affiliated with this. A lot of people like Rob Zombie's uh, version. No, I, I saw that. I, oh, no, I did not. He always adds this white trash type of aesthetic to his film. I mean, you could do it once with the House of a Thousand Corpses. Then you do what was that other one? The follow-up to that one. It was the same shit and the same shit. And then you do Halloween. It's the same shit. Uh, I haven't seen uh, what was that last one? Thirty-one. But I'm sure you've seen it, Stacy. Did it have any type of white trash type of characters in it? Uh, 
and 31. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Right? It did? <laughs> you see? You see? It did. I mean, <laughs> come on. It's just so far. <laughs> you can't do the same shit over and over again you gotta explore so let me guess if he remakes i don't know predator he's gonna be right trash he's gonna have a mullet instead of dreads yeah i don't know well some people call him um call a redneck nah redneck. <laughs> yeah i know redneck but but nah this the way they portrayed michael myers i mean come on that was as low low class uh white area i don't know in some place usa i don't know where but and then if you look at john carpenter's version michael myers grew up in a suburb environment uh middle class so it was, it was just too drastic it, it no no that was my t my pull away from that. What? Uh, what's the favorite phrase? Just gotta have to wait and see. <laughs> Monica Balucky joins Necromancer. Stacy, have you heard of Kia and Tristan Roach Turner? I don't believe so. Well. I remember a couple of months back I forwarded you this kick-ass trailer for Wormwood. It was on Facebook and it just erupted. You remember that trailer? Yes, I remember that. Oh, let me tell you. A, a quick story on the Roach Turner brothers. And I always enjoy these type of stories. And it still happens today. When, when you have a dream, I'm going to sound like a preacher. When you have a dream, <laughs> when you have a dream and, and you want to get this dream fulfilled and even if you don't have the money to make it happen or people putting you down to make it happen or whatever the case may be, that is obstacles, you keep going and when you finish your product, your product is going to be amazing and that's what happened with Wormwood. Kia and Tristan Rhodes Turner made Wormwood on a shoestring budget. I mean, low to zero budget. They created their own costumes. They filmed. The filming took longer than expected. They did cuts, recuts, and the end result, you had a great zombie film. And the zombie footage that I showed you, Stacy, that was like a that was a pitch because they they want Wormwood to go on as a TV series. So that's the type of inspirational stories that young, inspiring filmmakers, business people, entrepreneurs should, you know, take note and say, hey, you know, just keep moving forward. My sermon is over and now I'm going to talk about the Kia and uh, Kia and Tristan Roach Turner are making another film and it's called Necromancer. And in this film, this is going to be like a sci-fi horror film. And Monica Bellucci, she will join Ben O'Toole and Tess Halbridge in this film. Uh, this is like, they're describing this as a genre-mashing sci-fi horror. I, I can't wait to see it because being a big fan of 
Wormwood, I can't wait to see how Necromancer is going to be. There's no word yet on any type of synopsis, but do expect to have a lot of gore because that is their trademark and a little hint of comedy. So Stacy, what do you think of Necromancer? I mean, there's no information. All we got to go about is Wormwood. Um, if we're going by Wormwood, I'd say that I'm excited for it. Um, I saw Wormwood, of course, and great film. Uh, one of the best zombie films I've ever seen. But thinking of ne Necromancer, it makes me think of like Necromantic. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think the plot would be about? Uh, they did the zombies. I mean, they zombies. Uh, they did zombies already. Wormwood is, you could call it a sci-fi, a post-apocalyptic sci-fi horror, right? So necromancer, I'm unsure how that would play out. I'm curious. I'm so curious. I I, I can't wait. And of course, in that trailer for Wormwood, you had uh, Tristan McKinnon who portrays Alfred J. Hemlock in the short film Alfred J. Hemlock. And that's another film from Australia that the filmmakers were going through some tough shit and they persevered and Alfred J. Hemlock is killing the film festival circuit. They have been winning awards left and right. So I see that. Great film. I loved it. Yeah. So I hope Possibly Tristan McKinnon could be in the Necromancer. We never know. Yeah, he's yeah. a fine actor there. Yeah, he is. I want his hat. <laughs> <laughs> I want your hat. I mean, if you go on uh, Tristan McKinnon's uh, INDB page, he's wearing a, a cool-looking hat. I want, I, I want that hat. I, I think I could rock that hat. Yeah. And that I, I guess I'll end it with that. <laughs> Exclusive interview. Cassandra Sabo. Truth or dare? Tell me this place isn't prime. Where did you bring us? Right here, in this house. Seven teenagers played Truth or Dare. All but one of them died. Horrible, painful deaths. Truth or Dare will premiere on Sunday, October 8th, 2017 on the Sci-Fi Network at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Directed by Nick Simon, the script penned by Tommy Hudson and Ethan Lawrence. The cast stars Cassandra Skirbo, Brittany Sarpy, Mason Dye, Harvey Gillen, and Alexis Lemire. The story follows a group of friends who rent a house that is claimed to be haunted. They begin a game of truth or dare, which turns into horrific results as they are forced to continue the game. I had the pleasure of a candid interview with Cassandra Sturbo, the lead actress for Truth or Dare. 
She talks briefly about the film, the overall story, and her character. Ken, have you watched Truth or Dare yet? What did you think about this film? I I have yet to watch Truth or Dare. I am going to watch it on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to uh, partake with the rest of the audience. And I believe there is a live Twitter feed that would be happening at the same time. And I believe she would be answering questions as the film is is rotating on the Sci-Fi Channel this Sunday. That would be great. Many fans could watch the film and interact. You've got to appreciate modern technology that allows you to communicate with the actor of the film in real time. Amazing. But and yeah, I have not seen the film yet. Yes, social commentary is awesome. And the film is very exciting. Very exciting. Um, you, 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 will, you will be blown away. Okay, it's really good. Um, that's all I'm going to say because I will get to talking and say too much. And I'm too excited for Sunday because I'm even I'm going to tune in. Um, just because, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, tune in, make those get the ratings up so that way they can make more films or perhaps a sequel. You know, you never know, but good ratings always helps. Look what happened with Sharknado, and that all happens with ratings. So, if everybody tunes in for Truth or Dare, you never know, it could be a series. And here is my interview with Cassandra Skirbo. This is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. Joining me today is actress Cassandra Skirbo. Her latest film, Truth or Dare, will premiere on Sunday, October 8, <laughs> 2017 on Sci-Fi. Uh, Ms. Skirbo, I would like to thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Truth or Dare has a terrifying concept. It takes a simple game that most of us have played when we were teenagers and young adults, and it twists it dramatically. What were your thoughts on the game changing into something terrifying? Um, I, I think it's a really fun concept. I definitely don't think it's for the weak stomach. It's a very gory, uh, very bloody movie, not gonna lie. Um, but I think it, that's what makes it so cool is that um, it's the extent these kids have to do it. It really, uh, you know, there's there's moments where they kind of have to go behind each other's backs and, um, you know, they have to choose who's going to do what dare. Uh, they, they have to split some of the dares. And um, the dares and the truths are basically based off of each character's sins and obsessions and um and failures and whatnot. So they, they hit close to home and uh, it's definitely a fun movie. But like I was saying, it's um, it's a bit gory as well and uh, pretty intense. So I feel like viewers are going to be at the edge of their seat. I definitely agree. And while we're on that, <laughs> towards the end of the film, you had to do some questionable things in order to complete the game. And these actions were really intense and terrifying. So without giving away any spoilers on the film, uh, how did you feel about this whole scenario? <laughs> um, yeah, without getting, giving anything away, 
Um, for me, as an actor, it was extremely challenging, uh, which made it so much fun for me because I love nothing more than a good challenge. And uh, I remember there was this one day, I won't say exactly where it was, but um, I was shooting with another uh, actress, actor, <laughs> like trying not to give anything away. I was shooting with another one of the actors, and um, it was 10 hours of just screaming and crying. And if you've seen it, uh, then you know probably the scene I'm talking about. But um, just, you know, the way – it was intense. But the way that Nick Simon, our director, um, prepped us for that day was awesome. He had everything pre-lit so that, you know, we just couldn't – we were able to keep the ball rolling and uh, go from one part of the scene to the next part without stopping in between. Um, everybody was extremely courteous of our emotions that day, and that we really need to, like, stay in the moment. And um, I think that was really the hardest part, uh, just in, in, a, in a lot of these scenes, just having to stay present and in the moment and, and continue to pick up in such uh, instances of hysteria and uh, craziness, really. So, um they were definitely, like I was saying, challenging and fun. Uh, a lot of these scenes to work on, but, um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how how the fans react. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun Twitter night for me. <laughs> definitely. And uh, what about <laughs> mentally? How did you mentally prepare yourself for that scene that you know that we speak of? Yeah. Um. I think just. You know, obviously, when you get a script, you read it so many times until it's just ingrained in your body and your brain, and you've embodied all the things that are your character and that the character has been through. And um, you, you know, learn your dynamic so well so that when you're in the moment, you don't have to do anything but just be there. And the house itself, the house we shot at, uh, shot in in Birmingham, Alabama, was. <laughs> Like, actually known to be haunted, um, this oh. house, I forget the exact name of it, but um, I think it's called The Sweet House, which is really funny, but wasn't that sweet <laughs> where we filmed. But um, but just the house alone had this aura and, um, you know, the, the, the tools we had to use to do certain things, like actual physical objects in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure in, like, in the trailer, you know, there's a moment with me with a gun and it just you know, holding those things and being present and having other actors who was just as present um, really allowed for us to get there. And um, a lot of times before a scene, <laughs> I would grab uh, somebody's hand, whoever it was that was in the scene or multiple people that were in the scene. We would grab hands and I would say like, you know, if it was an intense scene that we were about to get into, I would be like, let's just scream. I would say like, hey, Nick, like, feel free to call action, and then we're going to scream for 30 seconds and then start rolling. And they're like, okay. So, um, you know, they would call they would call action, and then we would scream and then go right into the scene so that our energy was, um, you know, uh, balanced throughout the scene and it didn't ever kind of stop or seem weird. Um, we would also do things like hug each other. I um, That's something I've always done in the past when I needed to get into an emotional state because, um, believe it or not, just that, bit of intimacy and physical contact really allows you to open up um really allows just for everyone to open up pretty much so we would we would hold each other until we would get to tears um or just place each other's hands on each other's hearts Uh, and that would just really keep us there keep us in that um state of 
being super emotional and freaked out and uh, whatnot. So there were definitely a lot of little tricks, but just seeing, um, excuse me, sorry, I have a cold. <laughs> just seeing the blood and the gore, obviously fake blood, you know, it's says blood and um, a lot of these objects we were using, it, it really allows you to get there so much quicker than you would expect. So it was fun, but it was a process and it was um, very, very mentally dra- mentally draining. And uh, we had, I had a really raspy voice while shooting this. Uh, we were screaming so much. I, our, our producer, Lisa Hansen, would run up to us with like tea in between scenes because all of us were like, <laughs> you know, all of us were, were starting to get sore throats and it was pretty intense. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that in um in the in the movie and you guys worked so well together you and the rest of the cast uh Thank you can you. tell in the film as well that you worked so well and like the behind the scenes preparation was just as you mentioned and then I could feel that which was great which was great you know a great um connection from everybody and then as far as like you know, and the cast members go and you're all friends. And even though, you know, you're mad at each other and you don't want to do this, you're still just like, okay, we need to get through this. And that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Thank you so no, much. I'm glad awesome. that, that, yeah. that came across. And um, now you mentioned the house that you filmed in actually has a history and this is great so how was the experience filming in that house with that history uh you know i i just didn't want to be in any of the rooms alone (laughs) like upstairs by myself but um a couple people in the cast had witnessed some very interesting things even my my mom and dad came out to set to visit and even they went witnessed some uh some weird stuff there was not any breeze in this house at all. It was so hot. It was the dead of summer. And um, well, actually, it wasn't, I don't know if it was, it technically really wasn't summer yet, but it felt like it. I mean, where we were, it was beyond humid and hot. And there was no breeze. We actually, they had to bring, there's no air conditioning in this house because it was a very old house. Beautiful, big, big, beautiful, like Victorian looking house, but old. And they brought in this, um, they even had to bring in these AC units on some of the days because these big, big units. And my mom and dad were upstairs, and my mom had mentioned that the house is kind of creepy. As she mentioned that, um, this like cup, and it wasn't a like um, it wasn't a thin solo cup. This cup just drops, like it like kind of brushed over, breezed breezed over, and just fell on the floor. And she was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> see, it is haunted." To my dad. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, very interesting. But I think that's also what, like I was saying, really got us to um, to give such real and authentic performances because sometimes, you know, horror films, to be honest, can come off a little bit cheesy. And I think just being in this super insane house and, like, you know, having the dynamics that we did have, it, it, it made everything come across a lot more um, very real. Just made everything come across very real. Definitely uh, the perfect house to shoot a scary movie in. <laughs> Oh, definitely. And uh, I can definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, a lot of horror films are very mediocre, but this but truth yeah. or dare was not mediocre at all. I mean, I loved every aspect of it. The acting, the story buildup, uh, the special effects. It was all great. Thank you so much. That means a lot. 
that means a lot to us. Uh, now, your character, Alex, okay, she's uh, one of the strongest in the, in the film, and she also works as a backbone for the others on the cast or, you know, the friends. Now, what did you learn about this character's traits? Um, I just was, was answering this question, actually, <laughs> last night. I, I think Alex is a stand-up girl. That's how I would, that's the best way I feel like you can put it. Like, if she says she's going to do something, she's going to do it. I wouldn't say she's fearless <laughs> in this movie. I can't say, you know, she's a fearless character, but she definitely um, lacks fear the most, I think, or at least knows how to step to the plate and look it in the eye and take it. You know what I mean? Um, and I love playing character, you know, strong female characters like that. It's always an honor for me. Um, and it, it was fun. It was great. I, I loved stepping into Alex's shoes. I love that she was so on top of her game, <laughs> literally on top of the game. Um, always, you know, checking her watch and always making sure they were on time and, and you know, trying to encourage people. And um, I just genuinely loved playing her. I think that she's a really um, strong and, uh, and smart female character. And I, I, like I said, I love being able to play those types of characters. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the fans uh, catch on to that as you did, because that was important that, you know, after I read the script and I noticed that I really wanted to make sure that came through, um, especially in moments of hysteria. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it still came through that she is strong and she's, um, you know, very on her game and uh, intelligent. So, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Definitely. And is it somewhat true that portraying an antagonist is more challenging than playing the protagonist? Um, I think it always just depends on the script <laughs> and the writing um, and the scenarios that are surrounding you, basically. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I just feel, I feel like it just depends on... Uh, on the character because you know so many characters have so many layers i've played both and i've found both to be um difficult in moments and easier in other moments so i think it really depends on the material i agree and is there any advice you would give to aspiring actors and actresses um yeah uh it's definitely a tough world out here living in la and pursuing this um career but if it is genuinely your passion and something that you just can't live without, that's how I feel about acting. I cannot live without it. <laughs> um, then, you know, not to be cliche, but you can't give up on that. You've got to stay focused, stay in class. Um, you know, if others can do it, why can't you? You just have to have that mentality that you can do anything you put your mind to. And you got you to gotta fight for it as well because um, very rarely does – this industry does, you know, does becoming an actor. Um, very rarely is it just something simple that <laughs> that comes to you. You have to work hard. It's going to be a million no's before that one yes. And you can't let it get to you. You can't let it get you down. You have to just be able to take the rejection with a grain of salt and not let it eat at you. And, um, you know, you, you know who you are. You know that you're talented. And, you know, just because you didn't book a role or just because they decided to go with um, the brunette girl or whatever it may be. Um, you can't get down yourself because of that. You just got to stay focused. And um, I'd say keep your eye on the prize. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the platform is open. Can you please uh, list any other information we need to know, any upcoming projects, your social media? 
Thank you. My social media outlets are all at Cassie Skirbo, except for my Facebook. My Facebook is Cassandra Skirbo. Still trying to figure out what name to go with in life. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, excited. Excited for Truth or Dare. It comes out on uh, this Sunday at, oh my God, is it 9 p.m.? <laughs> is it 9 I think p.m.? It's 8 p.m.? 8 p.m., 8 p.m., right. Um, the 8th at 8. And um, yeah, we're really excited about it. I hope everyone enjoys it. I'll be live tweeting, so please come tweet with me. Um, also right now, just, you know, always working away at my charity, with my charity. My charity is called Boo to Bullying. If anyone wants to check that out, uh, boo to bullying, bullying.org. The two is a number two. Or you can check us out on Instagram at Boo to Bullying. And uh, just working on music and trying to figure out what my next move is uh, with acting. But there's always, you know, something around the corner. So I'm excited to see uh, what's next. But for now, just music and charity, and uh, very excited for the uh, movie to come out on Sunday. Very, very excited. So I hope everyone enjoys it, and thank you so, so much for talking to me. Uh, thank you so much for joining me again today. Um, good luck on all your future endeavors. Uh, we definitely look forward to uh, the movie coming out and to any um, future projects with you as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, I forgot to say it airs on Sci-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully yeah. everyone everyone can go enjoy it. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a have a great weekend. Thank you again. My name is Stacy Cox with BKMag.com. You have a great weekend, and thank you again for joining us. Of course. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Exclusive interview, Tracy Birdsall, The Time War, Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter. They're going to kill the humans. The robots are changing protocol. This is the enemy. They have maybe less than a month. Machine. We stay here and we fight. The Time War is currently in production, directed by Neil Johnson, who also pens the script. The cast stars Tracy Birdsaw, William Kircher, Stephen Manley, Aaron Jaquez, and Daniel Logan. The synopsis, the story of the Nazi party and their journey to rule the world. I had the pleasure of a lovely interview with Tracy Birdsaw, who not only plays lead actress in the Time War, but she also produces the film. Her latest film, also directed by Neil Johnson, is Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter, which is now released and available to watch. In the interview, Ms. Birdsaw talks about World Warrior, Robot Fighter, and the Time War, and she compares her characters from both films. Uh, Kenna, I know you've seen Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter. Uh, I've seen it, and I thought it was an awesome film. Yeah, this is another another point I'm talking about. You have a dream, make a, make a film. 
according to the story in our first interview that I had with uh, Tracy Birdshaw, the director Neil Johnson he wanted to make Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter. You know, make a let's just make a film. You know, see how it goes. And then word of mouth started to spread, and for some reason it just caught on fire, and Rogue Warrior just exploded onto the film festival scene, getting awards, recognition. I think Rogue Warrior was one of the best films for 2017 for indie films. Goes to show you, you never know. Ch chase those dreams, people. And here is my interview with Tracy Birdsaw. I'm always nervous. Stage fright is. Hello. 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 This is Tracy. Hi. I'm doing well. I know exactly who you are. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. Hi, Ms. Birdsaw. Um, how are you? Thank you for joining me. Hi, Stacey. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, now, before we start, I must say that the content of this recording will be featured in, all, in its entirety on all social media. Okay, sounds great. This is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. Joining me today is actress, writer, and producer, Tracy Birdsaw. Her latest project is The Time War, is in production. Ms. Birdsaw, I would like to thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Thank you for having me. The post-apocalyptic theme is my personal favorite, and you seem to be a big advocate for that with Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter, and now the Time War. What are your thoughts yeah. on what are your thoughts on a post-apocalyptic world scenario? Well, I think I, I grew up being a sci-fi junkie, so it's always been one of those concepts that I think about. But I think that most of all, I like to think about the what if and the preparation for the what if. And um, Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter is a lot of, you know, it's artificial intelligence overtaking the world. And that's a big what if as we all become so dependent upon technology. The Time War is a time travel film. And again, that's a, that's a what if. And it focuses on Adolf Hitler traveling through time trying to rewrite history. And the interesting thing about it is there are a lot of factual basis upon it because Adolf Hitler did study time travel technology. So we just kind of taken the truths that were there and then expounded upon, upon them in a science fiction realm. Thank you. That's very interesting. And Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter, you have a pretty intense role. Uh, from the experience, what will be most memorable in this role and the overall production? You know, Rogue Warrior Robot Fighter, since I did my own stunts, um, 
You know, I think that just the, the treachery of actually getting through it was, was kind of amazing because when I read the script, I didn't think about the fact that I was going to have to do everything 10 or 15 or 20 times. You know, the physical journey was, was a lot more physically um, demanding than what I thought about because when I read the script, I didn't think about the fact that it was 10, 15, 20 takes over and over, and it was pretty excruciating, but, but amazing. But the part that, that I liked the best about it and that I think will always be a part of my heart is the character journey and the unveiling of the various layers of, of the character and the fact that it's a, a um, human condition story with basically a science fiction as the backdrop. Thank you. Now, can you elaborate on uh, the character you're portraying in Time War? Uh, is her name Dijon? It's Dion. She is, in, in the film, she plays um, Adolf Hitler's daughter, but she's also his nemesis. And so she goes through time and gathers various versions of herself in order to forge an army to try and stop him from rewriting history and rewriting his genetics and overtaking the world. And how does Dion um, and Sienna from Robot Warrior no, from Rogue Warrior, Robot Fighter, parallel to one another. You know, they're completely different characters, and even the various versions of Dion's are completely different characters. Some of them are, are stronger, some of them are more vulnerable, some of them are, you know, so they all have different body languages and styles and frequencies. Sienna is, um, she's extremely strong yet extremely vulnerable, but it happens at different points in her life due to things that affect her. Beyond, since there's various versions of her, there's various things that have affected her. So there's various um, levels of of um, abrasiveness and kindness and what she's been through and things like that. So they're, they're actually completely different films and completely different characters. And then even Dion is completely different characters within the Time War. In the Time War, you're, you reunite with the cast and director, Neil Johnson of Rogue Warrior. Um, I believe this formula will generate the same success as Rogue Warrior. What is your opinion? You know, the reason that we hired some of the same cast, there's a lot of cast that's different. But Stephen Manley, when we'd hired him for Rogue Warrior, he had on his on his audition tape a clip where he was Adolf Hitler, and it never, you know, it never hit the public. It was an unreleased project, and he almost did a better Adolf Hitler than Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, who are you going to call to play that part? Well, that was kind of a shoe in. The um, the hiring of William Kircher was actually a sales agent when we were looking for a per certain part, and he says, well. You know, they really liked William Kircher. Why don't you bring William Kircher back for that? So that's why those two um, were brought back for the Time War. But I, but their characters are completely different, just like with Sienna and Dion. And, you know, there is other surrounding cast. So it did work well for us for Rogue Warrior. I'm kind of surprised that part of it's the same for this. And in some ways, I would have loved to have brought more of the cast along just because I enjoyed working with them so much. Would you agree that time is of value in the time war? Yes. Yes. Okay, you worst question yet. Um, um, does value each day in developing our own personal goals? Uh, what's your opinion on that? 
Well, for me, time is always of the essence. I'm one of those people that works constantly, and I don't take time off. And for me, a vacation is when I get to travel along with a film. So time is extremely valuable because we only have so much of it. And it's one of the things that's fun in not just working in the time war, but also I'm a big Doctor Who fanatic, is is what if you could go to different places and you could experience different things, you could go forwards and backwards. I mean, it doesn't seem impossible, but it's a fantastic thing to think about for somebody who works, you know, most every day, as many hours as she possibly can. I agree. And the time war asked the question, what if? And speaking generally, um, would you say this is a successful concept in cinema and why? Well, I think definitely in science fiction. Science fiction is all about what if, and it's about expanding our, our consciousness to think about you know, various possibilities that could handle and, you know, that could happen in the future. And I think it's one of the reasons I grew up being such a science fiction fan is because, you know, my father ran a power electronics convention. So I was exposed to robotics at a very young age. And it's like, wow, what if they could clean your house? And what if all these things? And now they can, you know, now we have Roombas running around. We have, you know, Inspector Gadget. We've got eye watches on our arms. So it's, it's interesting how science fiction quite often opens up doors of what will happen in the future. So in cinema, yes, there's some what ifs, but in science fiction, it's almost 100% of the time, if not more. What learning experiences do you bring to this film and to the time for, war? You mean for the audience or for myself? For yourself. For myself, it's funny because um, Back up to Rogue Warrior for a minute, you know, Sienna was more vulnerable than I am as a human being, and she was actually actually more powerful, more powerful and stronger than I was as a human being. So when the cameras yell roll, I I never question what it is that I have to do, and so I learned for myself, you know, that 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 I was weaker and stronger than I thought that I was, and for the time more, I would say that it reaches new points of of vulnerabilities. And, you know, just as characters are unfolding and learning and living new things, us as, as human performers that like to live our roles, we're learning from them, too. And we're learning what different experiences and outcomes will come when we take certain paths. And so it's kind of interesting. People look at films and they say, oh, I learned this from that and I learned that from that. But, but really, the people experiencing it at the same time are having the same epiphanies and the same, you know, they're on the same journey and they're learning the same things. And going back to the synopsis for the time war, it focuses on World War II, the Nazis, and their plans to rule the world. Uh, again, generally, what are your thoughts on this overall concept? You know, it's funny. I, I knew what I learned, you know, from history class about that whole time period. But what I know now is, is so much broader. And one of the things that was interesting about watching this unfold is that they didn't really realize what they were doing. You know, they took a step each day, just like everybody else does. And, you know, just like when you see Stephen Manley's performance, it isn't an over-the-top caricature. It's, you know, he doesn't believe that he's bad. And that's what makes some of the best bad guys in history, both in film and in, and in reality. So you had to learn a lot about why they did the things that they did and what their impetus was and then let it unfold and let them have their epiphanies and their, you know, their realizations. 
And so that was an interesting history lesson to me, even though it happened in the audits of science fiction, was that, you know, people in history who were bad, unless they were serial killers, or something, they, they weren't planning on being those. They were supported by those around them. Their, their lives were unfolding at the same time. And so it's just kind of a fascinating realization about history and about life. Thank you. Um, and how how far is the filming now for time for the time war? Um, we've been working on it for about three years on and off. We started it before Rogue Warrior, and then we've been shooting it ever since. I would say that it's going to be in the can here within another probably three or four weeks, and then it will go through post. So probably the the beginning to the end of two thousand and eighteen. Wow, we're, we are very excited for it. Um, now next is the open platform. Please uh, share any information, other information you want us to know, social media, and uh, more on the time war. Sure. Also, you know, the next thing that we are doing after the time war is we're going to be working on a limited television series of the future of Rogue Warrior. It'll be entitled something different, but that's really exciting. That's the next thing on our plans. Um, I post just about everything on social media because I just absolutely love, you know, the fans and the people that support us and, and help us, you know, keep pushing on to keep creating. My website is TracyBirdsell.com, which is kind of a portal to my social media. My social media is TracyBirdsell1 on Twitter, TracyBirdsell Official on Facebook, and on Pinterest it's TracyBirdsell1, and Instagram it's TracyBirdsell1. Thank you so much, Ms. Birdsaw. Again, thank you for taking this time to meet with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Television, Ash vs. Evil Dead gets Season 3. Ash vs. The Evil Dead is going on to Season 3. It appears that the ratings for this TV series are up to par and here we have an, a continuous 10 episodic season that would begin on the 25th of February on Stars, and the time for that would be 9pm on Sundays. Here is the logline for Season 3 Ash vs Evil Dead. Ash's status in Elk Grove has changed from murderous urban legend to humanity's saving hometown hero when Kelly witnesses a televised massacre with Ruby's fingerprints all over it she returns with a new friend to warn Ash and Pablo that evil isn't done with them yet you have on board the original filmmakers from the Evil Dead Sam Raimi Rob Tappert of course Bruce Campbell he's portraying the role of the protagonist but he also serves as executive producer and also serving as executive producer is Ivan Ramey Rick Jacobson Mark Verheenen uh, serves as showrunner and returning for the cast you have Lucy Lawless you have Ray Santiago portraying his role as Pablo this is amazing. Well, don't, never forget Dana De Lorenzo. She's coming back as Kelly Maxwell. In my opinion, uh, wow, uh, she's hot. Yes, I, I had to throw that out there. Anyway, 
season three <laughs> season three you see anita's not here to give me a punch so yeah i am saying that dana's hot anyway uh season three i have seen season one season two i watched sparingly uh yeah i only seen the first episode of season two so yeah i'm guilty with that season three uh i have until february to watch it so i guess i have to get my ass uh you know binge watch season two anyway stacy what is your opinion have you seen ash versus evil dead seen the first episode of season one and that was all and that's because at, at the time like only sling tv it was like exclusive or sling tv and when i got sling tv just to see after evil dead sling tv is horrible in terms of like you know um trying to watch content on there it's buffering every five seconds so it took me forever to get through season one i mean episode one and that and i stuck through it because i had already paid for it but after that it's just i'm like okay unless it's like unless i bought the like dvd the collection or something like that i couldn't watch it really so i have to find somewhere to watch it so i could uh get caught up yeah you have to get caught i mean this is comedy this is horror if you've seen the evil dead the film the first film i found it that was that was crazy and then it went from crazy shenanigans to comedy and then from comedy to buffoonery because army of darkness was just ridiculous and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying it like it was just ridiculous. Like, what am I watching here? Really? So it's nice to see the evolution of the Evil Dead franchise. And then you had the remake of the film, which I enjoyed because it was dark. It was gritty. Yeah, that was that was kick ass right there. But now you have the TV show on stars, which is comedy. You have a protagonist who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I mean, <laughs> he's just hes just a funny guy and shit just happens to him. But in, in the end, he saves the day. You see? So, yeah. You, you can't... People can't adapt to that type of character. So, yeah. I have to binge watch season two. I'm, I am guilty. I only seen the first episode of that season. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Lock and Key Get Hulu series. Hulu. Stacy, you've been mentioning Hulu uh, throughout this podcast. And they're coming up with a horror fantasy drama. And it's going to be the adaptation of a IDW comic by Joe Hill and artist Gabriel Rodriguez. And that is called Lock and Key. For those who may not know what Lock and Key is, the plot basically surrounds, uh, it's set against the backdrop of the American Revolution when you have a group of rebels and they discover uh, a portal to another dimension 
and in this portal they could travel through it but they discovered that demons want to now travel through it into our world and so you have these rebels now they have to fight off these demons and I'm just paraphrasing here from the, from the synopsis I have not read the comic book I've heard about it uh, so I cannot weigh my opinion on, from, on that front but for the TV show yeah I would give it a watch because since I haven't read the comic book this will give me a perfect opportunity to get familiar with the characters familiar with the plot and what everything is all about I think I'll get a better understanding that way and if I enjoy it I'll read the comic uh, so Jack Mulhern uh, he's the first in line to get cast for this role and he is going to co-lead as Tyler Locke the oldest son of Rendell and Nina and a protective older brother to his siblings in this uh, one hour horror fantasy drama I don't know uh, a lot of things do call my attention you have Danny Glover also involved in the project and I haven't seen Danny Glover in a horror film ever since I don't know Saw yeah I think that was the last time I seen Danny Glover in a horror film uh, so yeah I can't say much can't weigh my opinion as much because I'm unfamiliar with this concept but it is gonna arrive on Hulu so those who are interested in lock and key do tune into Hulu and uh, more information should be developing Stacy what do you think about this um like you said I have not read the comic book or anything um, this sounds good I haven't seen Danny Glover since hmm. Wait. What did he do that? It was Saw. Oh, was he wasn't Saw, was he? Yeah, he was. He was the detective. Was, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so then since he saw and Saw was two thousand. Yeah, I haven't seen him um, in a while. Yeah. But uh But it's I would have to, you know, wait and see on this. I do love horror fantasy, of course. So. And uh, Lock and Key, it's it's an original. It it's a it's based off of the comic book, but for some reason it just it resonates like Marvel. It resonates mm -hmm. like that film with the cabinet that the kids go through, Narnia, something like that. Yeah, it was Narnia. Because I love Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in Marvel they're fighting for rings, and if you collect all the rings, I <laughs> guess you get some type of immortality, strength, power, some some superhero type shit. Oh, but now I like that. Uh, I like that pitch. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was a whole okay. line of comics. From Marvel, that was old, about wow. years ago, and now they're making the films for it. So all those films are gonna tie in uh, the uh, the new Thor's and all that stuff, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's all gonna come to one big climatic uh, film. 
and in lock and key they're battling for magical keys that gives them an array of powers and ability and you of course you have the nefarious demon who wants to capture all the keys so you can be very powerful it's just like marvel you have that big alien creature who wants all the rings so you can be big and powerful you see the parallels they parallel each other right 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 that's true too that's true i i guess the ring i don't know but what ring are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> i think they're a ring <laughs> well in lock and key that's what it is they they trying to oh, okay. yeah they're trying to capture rings The person who possesses the rings gets to level up. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. just like in, just, just, just like in Sonic, he collects all those rings and he levels up. That makes sense. <laughs> 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 I feel like he keeps up on rings. I'm like, who's the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. This sounds good. I haven't read the comic book. Yeah, so. I haven't read the comic. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just pulling a, a, a joke here I, it sounds good it sounds <laughs> good here uh, it, it resonates like a superhero type thing so I, i'm assuming that's what it is is a horror superhero fantasy type of uh, plot and it's going to be on hulu hulu is trying to come up with some original content so that way they could compete with netflix that's what they're doing that's what they're doing see so like i said I'll give it five years. People are going to be switching over from TV. Everybody's going to go online for all their content. Trailer First Impressions Black Sight. You saw something horrific when you were a child. Something someone so young should never see. But it's time to accept it. What's the point in surviving if I'm not out there fighting? What are you still doing here? Don't you see what this institution proves, Ray? Black Sight is an action horror Directed and written by Tom Patton. And the synopsis reads as follows. The raid meets Lovecraftian cosmic horror. Okay. As a young woman is forced to push past her worst fears and battle to deport an ancient entity back to where it came from. Set inside a single location building known as the Artemis Black Site, the movie mixes a die-hard style survival story with horror elements and a villain cut from the same mold as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. This film is slated for release in 2018. My first impressions of this trailer is that I have seen this film many many times before there have been countless films that have the same uh, uh, a group and I'm not talking Resident Evil Resident Evil is not in this equation 
I'm talking about a group of commandos go inside a secret base and they encounter either demons, ghosts, zombies, aliens. I think I covered everything. And it's just a survival horror story from there on in. I don't see any originality with Black Sight. Cuba Gooding Jr. did a film similar to this. So while I search for that film in particular, Stacy, I'm going to turn it over for, to you. Uh, what did you think about this trailer? good it was dramatic that's how I really thought of it <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I mean huh <clears throat> the devil's I mean, so when I thought of um, uh-huh <laughs> so when I first thought of like black site that I thought of like something from like the black web or something like that a movie about that i'm like oh another dark web movie or whatever right and um but yeah that's that's what clicked in at first and then i watched it i was like huh well it, it's intense but yeah i <laughs> couldn't really make much of it exactly well the devil's tomb released in 2009 that starred Cuba Gooding Jr. and it, if you watch the film it is the same thing I am watching here in Black Sight. You also have Cross Space that also deals with the same type of concept. I mean there's countless, there's too many films that have this same concept. Uh, you're gonna have to really do something out of the, think outside of the box. And plus once you start comparing your film your characters with characters from another film right here they have the last sentence uh a villain cut from the same mold as hannibal lecter in silence of the lambs if you translate those words it reads we just ripped off hannibal lecter and he we put him in our movie mm. yeah come on who who does that you don't do that let let the viewer decide who to relate the antagonist with or any of the characters i don't want to read the synopsis and say oh shit you copying hannibal lecter why see so yeah i'm gonna give this film a pass the babysitter All right, tomorrow night, you, me, party. What up, say? Be cautious if there's any trouble, okay? Cold, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep?
The Babysitter releases on October 13, 2017 on Netflix. Directed by MCG, written by Brian DeField. The cast stars Bella Thorne, Hannah Mae Lee, Leslie Bibb, Robbie Amell, and Samara Weedy. The synopsis, Cole is madly in love with his babysitter, B. She's hot, funny, and popular. One night in a moment of defiance, Cole street slips. Cole secretly stays up in his bedtime to discover she's actually a cold-blooded killer who's in a league with the devil. He now must spend his night evading these band of killers who will stop at nothing to prevent Cole from spilling their dark secret. It's up to Cole to survive the night and blow up a few people along the way. Uh, the babysitter of his dreams and nightmares. The babysitter looks like a great time. Cole stays up late to spot his babysitter and her friends. He witnesses a game of spin the bottle turning into a, a fight for survival when B turns into a cold-blooded killer. He is left spending the rest of the night fighting for his life. And comedy undertones. Ken, have you seen this trailer? What did you think of it? <laughs> Uh, this trailer is so much better than that Christmas trailer that we reviewed on our last podcast. You see, what, what was it? I, I don't. You see, it was so bad I even forgot the name to it. Jingle bells all that the way. That wasn't better. Watch out. Better, yeah. Better watch out. Yeah, there. You see, this one, it, it has better chemistry. And yet you have named actors and actresses here. You have Hannah Mae Lee. And for those who do not know, yes, I'm going to make a confession here. I watched Pitch Perfect and I loved it. It was an awesome movie. Uh, yes, and I did sing along to the tunes too. All right. So she was a funny character in that movie because she was the... the uh, one of the members of these music group that only whispers in a low tone so i was very surprised to see her in this film i'm like oh okay that's cool i'm gonna see how i want to see how she does in this movie in the trailer i think it gives away too much i i enjoy the cinematography the acting is is good is comedic but the trailer all of the characters the uh, the bad guys the antagonists they all die if you look at the trailer they all die so you're left there wondering okay so they all gotta die what happens with the babysitter here's here's what i think is gonna happen if you ever seen the movie the guest that's the type of ending this would have the babysitter is gonna get fucked up in some way they think they're gonna beat her the cops get there and when they turn around she disappears and she moves to another babysitting job miles away that's how it's gonna end I guarantee you so are you gonna watch this film uh stacy i am it's coming to netflix <laughs> hey and it's gonna is gonna arrive on friday the 13th yes yes we need more horror movies on October. We do. 
wasn't there a lot like a crap load of movies that were supposed to release this October? Of course. I mean, what happened to all of wait, Leather, wait, Leatherface did not. Weren't they all supposed to release? Yeah, what? what? Where are you? Yeah, Leatherface did release. Yeah. Oh. It's on. It's on Direct TV. Oh, okay. I didn't know the release yet. Yeah. What about the nun? Wasn't that supposed to release? Mm, I'm not sure no. about the nun. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I I still haven't watched Leatherface. I have to watch it. You know, I I have been so bogged down lately with other stuff. But yeah, I gotta catch up with my films, especially Leatherface. I it looks so gritty. But Babysitter is just the direct opposite of that. It's just so... It's fun. It's, it's, it's like... Yeah, it's fun. I can't wait to see how this rolls out. Sleepwalker. walking in my sleep and I have nightmares usually there's a man I can't see him but I know he wants to hurt me and I can't get away do the same dreams repeat well it's always the same man sleepwalker is a upcoming thriller and is directed by Elliot Lester the synopsis reads as Troubled by bouts of sleepwalking and disturbing nightmares, graduate student Sarah Foster goes to her university sleep research center for help. But when she wakes up after her first night of being monitored, the world she lives in seems to have changed in subtle Twilight Zone-esque ways. This is an interesting film. and. The film is written by Jack Olsen and I think he does a phenomenal job of making Sleepwalker a character driven narrative. Uh, the trailer, the cinematics are great, the acting is great. I think that the trailer is well put together that, that gives the viewer just enough information. It's like an appetizer before a major meal and this is well cut. I'm, I'm just curious to figure out if everything that is happening to this protagonist is occurring to her in real time in her life outside or is she imagining this as a dream sequence this could be another film about parallel uh, personas double personalities and double psyches that's I'm interested it got me interested Stacey what did you think about this trailer I thought it was really good like you said it's very interesting and I definitely want to check it out and the one of the stars for this film is Richard Armitage and for those who have are familiar with his acting career he starred, of course, in um, <clears throat> the, the Rings, The Hobbit. But I remember the actor from Strike Back. Not the American version, but the British version. 
and Straight Back was his action, espionage, CIA, uh, MI, not MIB, uh, MI6 type of thing. Awesome show. And from there, he has morphed into the American cinema. He has adapted very well. And I, this, this just makes me want to watch the film even more because I'm, I'm very familiar with his career. So, yeah. Back out road. Tell me about these dreams. The dream is fragmented. Are you afraid? Terrified. Do you know where they take you? Clearing off of Buckout Road. I'm having dreams too. What? Tell me everything you know about Buckout Road. Buckout Road has completed filming. It is slated to release this year in Canada. However, an official release date has not yet been announced. Directed by Matthew Curry Holmes, who also pens the script alongside Shahin Chandra Soma and Johnny Pascucci. The cast stars Evan Ross, Dominique Provost-Chopley, Danny Glover, Henry Zerny, and Calm Fior. The synopsis. There is a small rural stretch of road that connects Westchester to White Plains, New York, called Buckout Road. It's home to over a dozen terrifying urban legends and is considered by some to be the most haunted road in America. A college class project on creation and destruction of modern youth of modern myth turns terrifying when a trio of young people come to realize the urban legends surrounding the famed Buckeye Road may in fact be real. A legend of a legend, Buckeye Road is a count of horrific things that have been said to go on on a small stretch of road that is claimed to be the most haunted road in America. A group of young adults suffer, suffer dreams and hallucinations of strange occurrences that seem to all be connected to Buckeye Road. They decide to come together to piece together the clues and solve the puzzle. Clips of the trailer offer some seemingly horrific scenes that make the film even more intriguing. Here's a brief history for the Buckout Road legend. The legend of Buckout Road travels back to a small stretch of road in Westchester County in White Plains, West Harrison, New York. The legend is compared to the legend of Bloody Mary. It goes, you drive to Buckout Road, you stop at the Red House, you honk your horn three times, and then cannibal flesh-eating albinos come out and rip you from limb to limb. Buckout Road is supposedly the target of many rumors, including three women who were accused of witchcraft, who were burned at the stake. Also, Isaac Buckhout, who shot his wife and neighbor with a double-barreled shotgun, among many others. Uh, this is coming from Hudson Valley Magazine. Ken, have you seen this trailer? What do you think about it, the story, as well as the legends? Well, I'm going to say, does... Uh, this just all ties into these long stretch of roads that we talked about earlier in this podcast. They're in here in the United States, Canada, throughout. There's always these roads and these urban legends. They are a source of 
inspiration for horror stories. Don't you agree? <laughs> I'm sorry, I you broke off. Can you repeat that? Uh, I said you, that uh you can hear me now? Yeah, because you had cut off. Oh, I said that uh this all ties in on these stretch of roads in the United States and in Canada that have urban legends and how these urban legends are always a source of inspiration in horror films oh definitely i actually love this um i love movies based on true stories true events even they're just based on legends um it's the material for some rather great films exactly and i'm just wondering if Big Rig is going to be driving down this road, too. <laughs> I tell you, he's going to go for the <laughs> long ride on Buckout Road. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Big Rig. <laughs> and I like, I like on their website for, for Buckout Road, that they have, uh, what, what, what was that phrase? That, that is so funny. Uh, oh, which phrase you mean? The uh, the legend? Yeah, they have a phrase on their oh. website. Uh, what is it? That, that was pretty funny. Wait, which website? For Buckout Road. Oh, are you talking about the... the uh, the legend that I just read, you drive to Buckout Road, you stop yeah. at the Red House, you honk your horn three times, and then cannibal flesh-eating albinos come out and rip you from limb to limb. Yeah, I would have I would have wanted to do that. I'm, I'm just saying, that's gotta be awesome, man. I didn't see any cannibal flesh-eating albinos in the trailer for Buckout Road, so I'm, I'm like, I want to see this. I want to see those darn flesh-eating albinos. And that's why they say it's based on rumor. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it actually says based on the legend. But heck, they better incorporate that into the movie. Like, so far, what you see in the trailer, like, you get a glimpse of that they're talking about um, there was a woman that was hanged and they mentioned something about that in one of the letters as well where let's see a woman was hanged or something there's so many different ones so but they're saying that the one with the cannibal flesh eating albinos is probably the one that's most heard interesting uh yeah so i you know those are those those are one of the things that people do Hey, let me stop at a red light. Let me honk my horn three times so I could get eaten by albino or, cannibals. Oh, yeah. Or just do it just to see these cannibal flesh eating albinos and then just zoom off. You don't have to stay there and get eaten. You just have to honk your horn three times and then drive off. Yes. You know? <clears throat> I mean, I'm just saying, like, 
okay, why do they why do they come out and rip you from left to left because you sat there in the car while they come out and rip you from left to left, or did, I mean, did you forget to you know push the gas pedal and zoom off? Exactly. Well, that's what urban legends are for. You know, it, they're supposed to be a way to scare people. Perhaps there's something that was going on at that intersection. And the only way to stop people from doing whatever it is that they were doing, they came up with this story. So maybe there was like traffic accidents or something like that. So they asked people to honk their horn three times. You know, you never know. You know urban legends always stem from something that happens in real life. And it just changes into this weird story. So, But yeah, Buckout Road, I'm definitely, I am curious to see this film as well. It is. It seems interesting, and since I'm in New York, I'm gonna find out where this Buckout Road is and see if we could go up there and, and check it out and see if we could see some albino cannibals. You're <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, okay, wait, wait. <laughs> right. I guess like I got I just go hop my horn three times. I saw them. I saw them. <laughs> They're real. Oh my gosh. And you see them <laughs> you see them in the rear view mirror running as fast as the car trying to catch up. <laughs> oh man. That's that's sad. You never know. They're weird. They're albinos and they're cannibals. They could do anything. They could they could probably run as fast as a cheetah. Wow, interesting. Thank you for tuning in to another DK Mag podcast episode. This was season five, episode 12. My name is Ken Artuse, founder and editor for dkmag.com that is d-e-c-a-y-m-a-g.com and i emphasize we're not dk magazine we're not dk with letters dk or any type of dk decomposition and joining me as co-host is Stacy cox staff correspondent for dk mag we're on stitcher be sure to rate and review DK Mac on Stitcher rating and reviews and help us rank. And of course, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our podcast is live on Google Music and iTunes and TuneIn. I think that covers it. Yeah. But do stop by our website because... There you would find the latest reviews, interviews, video games, everything that has to do with horror. And we dedicate our time to provide this content for you, the reader, listener, viewer. Thank you.